0: That's right that's right that's right that's right Uh uh uh-huh 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 yeah that's it you already know what that is this is the keith battle podcast i'm keith battle your host and i'm so grateful for all of your support all of you who subscribe all of you who reach out all of you who share these podcasts with others Every week we try to come to you with something exciting, something informative, something that I enjoy. I talk about things that that inspire me, that inform me, and I'm glad to be able to share this time with you all today. And uh, today is really special. Let me tell you a little background on our guest today. A little over two years ago, I joined many people across the country and began my personal protest of the National Football League because of the unfair way that they were treating Colin Kaepernick, in my opinion. And so although I grew up watching football and was a season ticket holder for years for the Washington football team, for two years, I did not watch a professional football game. That might change next year because they did give him some money. Um, But what happened was my interest in professional boxing went through the roof during that time. And one of the reasons for that is because of the young man that I'm privileged to have on the Keep Battle podcast today. His name is Greg Sharpshooter Outlaw. And he is an undefeated professional boxer from right here in the DMV. And he's also a graduate of Bowie State University. And he's a part of the church that I pastor. And Greg reached out to me and invited me to one of his fights. And I've been following him ever since. So, Greg, thanks a million for the invite. And welcome to the Key Battle Podcast.
1: Uh, thank you. I'm excited. It's a pleasure an honor.
0: My man, my man. So, listen, man. Tell us first of all first of all about where you are from and how you got started boxing.
1: I'm from right there where Zion is located, Glenon, Maryland. I uh, I started boxing. Man, I just wanted to do it all. Whatever the community offered, I wanted to I wanted to be, I wanted to do it, so I tried boxing and then I don't know if it's a way to take my anger out and then I just stuck with it.
0: Now how old were you when you first put the gloves on?
1: I was five years old. Uh kindergarten i first put them on and never looked back since
0: well by the way i like how you say zion you know people in this area everybody got a different way of calling our church some people call it zion some people call it zion church i like it you call it zion that's my man my man so so you started boxing five years old you said it helped you get anger out man you knew you were angry at five years old
1: well, I, I don't know if I was angry or it was my big brother to pick on me. So I guess I could, I guess I could say I was gonna beat him up one day. I guess I <laughs> no, maybe I was angry,
0: but I had a big brother. You know how that goes. That, I know, I know. How, how how many years apart are y'all?
1: Six.
0: Me and my brother, same thing. He's to terrorize me. Oh so, goodness! Yeah, I ain't learned how to box. I just learned how to jones. So I jones him up. but then he <laughs> beat me up again.
1: So you that start. Wasn't
0: so you started five, right? Yeah. At what point did you know that you were good enough to one day box professionally?
1: It was when I was about um, between 13 and 15. So I was playing. I started playing other sports. I really was often knowing a lot. And then I started football. And I was thought I was going to play football. But then when I got about 13 or 14, my coach told my dad and my mom, like, look, he's getting real good. He's going to have to choose, you know, what he's going to do. So then I said, I'm going to have to choose boxing because I had a light little attitude on the field. So I chose boxing. And then I started winning some national tournaments and some fights. I'm like, I could really change people, my, not only my life, but my family. life once I uh, turn pro.
0: Wow. And now how old are you now, Greg? I am now 25. 25. You've had, is it nine professional fights? So it's
1: eight. One of my fights got scratched. It's called a no contest. That's right. My opponent got injured in the first round. So it should be nine, but it's eight.
0: Eight Right, right, right. My man, my man. Now, I personally know the way that you started coming to Zion Church was because of your relationship with a young man whose life was tragically taken by gun violence. Um, Can you tell us about that experience for you and how it impacted your life?
1: Oh, man. So... I was always into the church. My mom my mom made sure we stayed in church, so she tried no matter what. You know, no matter the neighborhood or circumstances, she tried to make sure church was um, important in that life. So I was attending a church called Christ Kingdom Church, um, and my best friend was attending Zion, and he was on drugs a little bit. He was, you know, in the street, so, he was, you know, but every time, every Sunday, he would post on Facebook or something or get out, reach out to me, and always say, how amazing the pastor was and how he loved Zion. And I always see videos of him in the front row. Sometimes he might have been under influence in mind that he made sure he would always go to church and he would always post something about God to take this, can you take this pain out of my life or can you help me? I love the church so much. But then he was, um, he was shot and killed. Um, and after that, I just felt obligated to, and I, Pastor Marshall was actually preached at the, at the funeral. Mm-hmm. And, I thought I didn't. I really didn't even know uh, you were the head pastor. I thought it was him. So I came. I said, "I'm gonna know what I'm gonna try this church out. I'm gonna live on this legacy." And it was you, and you were just as amazing as he was. So it was just like it made no sense. And I felt, you know, I felt obligated. But then once I, once I, I attended a few Sundays, and it, it felt like I connected with the church so well, and it made all sense. So oh. here I am,
0: four wow. years later. Wow, man. Yeah, Greg was. That was my guy, man. Uh, he he comes in on the front row. And what was funny because, you know, front row in church is usually for elders and deacons and leaders. Well, Mark didn't know any better, which I loved. Right. So he would sit right up there and we, we let him sit there. That was his seat, too. And um, yeah, I'm really, you know, gotten close to his family as a result of it. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you give your life up and it it ends up. Um, doing some great, some positive things, just a tough way to go. But but I, I'm glad that, you know, we were able to meet a result of it. And also, you know, I know one of your fights that I went to, I maybe in the first one or the second one I went to, you had dedicated that fight to a young girl who uh, <clears throat> lost her battle with cancer. Tell us a little bit about that story.
1: Okay, her name is Maya Nelson, um, Telemag Nelson, she would say. Um, she was. If everybody knows her, they know her as my girlfriend. And they, but they would wonder, like, how would I call her that? She was five. But I actually dated her on for some years, and I got real into the family. So, man, if you asked her, she wouldn't tell you no different. She would say, Greg is my boyfriend. I don't care what nobody say. Like, she would she would tell you. no, no way around it. Mm-hmm. So, man, um, her became very, very close, and she uh, suddenly passed away in cancer. So, man, I mean, she was all over us. She was all over us she was like an Instagram star. I mean, before, before she met like John, John Wall, I mean like Nicki Minaj. so she was like, we was having a foundation and we thought she was doing so good. And then, you know, suddenly she passed away. So, earlier uh, earlier last year, um, I had like, my promoter asked me what dates do I want? He threw out December the 8th. And you know, God makes no mistakes. Not knowingly, nobody really knew, but me, that that's the day she died. And it's like, wow. And then afterwards I explained to my manager, what, what that meant to me. And then we had a whole fight dedicated to the, to her. Uh, we raised her money to help pay for her headstone because it's not paid off yet. Gave Grace A $1,000 of special shirts and sweaters and stuff. Mm. And to this day, I'm still connected with the family. And, and forever, I will always be connected to her. And she will always be my girlfriend no matter what.
0: Wow. That's what's up, man. December 8th, what year was that when she passed?
1: 2014, the same year uh, that my best friend was killed, too.
0: Wow, what a year, what a year. Yeah. And I, I like how you've, you know, I remember the first time I experienced tragedy up close through violence. And I remember my brother said to me, I was 19 years old at the time, my brother said to me, Don't let them go in vain. And that really stuck with me. It was like, you know, don't just, don't just grieve. Make make let it make a difference in your life. And I can see how in both of those instances, you didn't let either person go in vain. You've dedicated your life towards, you know, m- remembering them and being a better version of yourself, even as a result of it. So I commend you, man. Hats off for that. I appreciate it, it's for life, That's for life. Yeah. So now, when I go to your, you know, anybody, y'all gotta notice from DMV, if you go to a Greg Sharpshooter Outlaw fight, <laughs> it's like crazy yeah. the support he has. The following local people, classmates, alumni from Bowie State University, your family, friends. <laughs> so when you got all those people in the room, I know that that's gotta have you amped, right? So Oh man, that's got that's gassing you up, right?
1: Oh, I'm super gassed, man. Oh, we we sold over we sold about we like every promoted dream. We sold over twenty thousand dollars worth of tickets each fight. I mean, easy.
0: Wow. So. Wow. So 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 you know you can't take a L in front of your family and friends. You like the the person in trouble when you got all that sh- support behind you, but is there anyone that's in the audience when you fight that inspires you the most?
1: Um I don't want to uh, I got single out anybody. Um I work so hard. I always post on my Instagram that I don't play box and I want my fans to always know I work hard that. I give it all during camp, during training time, so I dedicate it all. If there was one person, it's my mom, of course. Um, right. She made a single mom growing up for many years. She, I mean, she did the best she could to make sure she provided for me and my family. And um, really, half of the, if but three fourths, it's not more than people that's there. She makes, she's from herself. Like my mom is like, doesn't expect anything. And in turn, you know, it's like conversation. But she, I mean, she leaves work and then when them tickets, she go sell them tickets. I don't know if she. If he's threatening people, I don't know what she's doing. You know these tickets, but they they support me, and man, I appreciate her and all the fans. Man, tremendously. Without them, I'm nothing. You know, they make me. They drive me to keep me going.
0: Yeah, I sat beside your mom in one of the fights, and so she doesn't watch the fight. She she (laughs) she covers her face with like a sign. Cause she can't she can't watch you know her son up there fighting so you know it's it's, it's funny because we're giving her like oh yeah he's tearing him up oh he getting him he about to stop him <laughs> she still won't look though so never look, never. that's that's amazing that's amazing now in the fight game let's go into the this whole fight world because I'm intrigued by it right right like I see guys like like you know when y'all face off right at a weigh in or a conference right like like it looked like dudes trying to chump. Like we call it from our way, you know, chump the other dude up, right? or right. in, Intimidate, and I am thinking in my back of my mind, like anybody that's been fighting in a boxing ring got to, is crazy enough to go in there and be fighting can't be scared of anything. Is it? Is this still intimidation or fear going into the, into a boxing ring with an opponent? It should not be. You might. You
1: might be. I guess you shouldn't be. I'm I'm never really worried or anything like that because if you prepared, you prepare yourself. You know I, mean? I think the people that's worried is people who are mentally mentally weak or people who lack discipline or didn't train as hard as they could while, before the fight. But okay. For me, I always pray to God mental toughness before anything that I can get over any obstacle facing my way or any, any obstacle the devil puts my way before I'm in camp or whatever so that when I'm in the fight or anything, I I would better uh get through it. So like I put my body through. Like when I'm running, I run 12 miles. I'm I i do not need to run that much, but I want to see if my body can you know get used to all the all the you know the, the wear and tear. Like when I'm sparring, I go extra round when I'm when I'm dead and I'm tired or wore out. So or so, like people mug people mug me on weigh in. I'm always smiling. My mom didn't ever like that. She would always say. Why well, I keep mugging and you, and you smiling and I always have to tell her looking tough or talking ain't going to win you no fights. You know, wow. like, you have to really fight me. I tell her all the time. You can look as tough as you want. That's not going to win you no fights.
0: You know? Yeah. you
1: know, Muhammad Ali is my favorite, you know, fighter. I like to you know the way he talks, but I won't let him get to me in my head. But,
0: mm-hmm. I love it. it. I love it. I've seen you, you know, for those of you are listening, this is a key battle podcast and we were on with. Uh, pro boxer, Greg outlaw, sharpshooter outlaw. And I've seen you come to church from a run with a water bottle in your hand and then ice your knees during the service. <laughs> like, like, that's amazing. Like your dedication to the craft is really, is really amazing. And what you're saying is the more prepared you are, the less you have to be worried
1: about. Um, absolutely. 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 No question. And I think that that
0: that's true in every part of life. If we're going to, if we're going to be, you know, intimidated by an interview or intimidated by an opportunity. It may be an opportunity to speak in front of an audience, whatever it is. Preparation can eliminate some of the intimidation. You know, you may have butterflies because you never know exactly how things are going to turn out, but right. the more prepared you are, the less concerned you are because you know you're ready for whatever. So, so you 8 0 professional. How many amateur fights did you have before you turned pro? And what was your record? Oh, man.
1: I had about 60-ish. I was probably about 50-something to 12 or something. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, and I was boxing. I'm a boxing, holding on 15, 20 years. But I was always so small growing up that I would have to fight a, um, a lot of, like, the Latin community, something like that, because I was so older. Or so It was, like, limited fights that I had. So mm-hmm. I would fight the same person from this area about four times sometimes. But it wasn't until I, until I got a little older where well, I was starting to, get fights more easy. So I would have, had, even though it's a lot of fights as an amateur, but, but boxing moments I had, people have about 100 to 200 fights, you know, you know. so.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you said part of it was because you, you were smaller.
1: Was yeah, you can, I was definitely small, so I was about, and then when I came in ninth grade, I was still, I was like four foot five and I probably fought about between, between 70 to 80 pounds in my weight class in ninth grade. Wow. And, well, and tenth grade, I didn't really start getting to like ninety, maybe a hundred pounds when I got to maybe eleven, twelfth grade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, it's hard to find an opponent your age and your size.
1: Absolutely. So by age too. Yeah.
0: So, so given that fact, were you just naturally small from a you know just a genetic standpoint, or was it all the workouts that kept you from getting putting on weight?
1: Yeah, no, it was just because I, I guess I ain't hit my growth spur. Yeah, my mom, my mom, she was, she is, she was, she is like five foot eight. That's kind of like tall for a lady, uh, woman. And my dad is like maybe six feet even six one. So it was just my brother's tall, six one. It just I just hit a great growth spur.
0: I got you, I got you. Now, let's talk about that. I'm gonna jump down to this. I want to talk about weight, making weight, and maintaining mm-hmm. weight in this sport of boxing. Now, you fight at. In your weight class, you're at, what is it, 140, 130? Yes, 140. 140, right? So now when you weigh in, because I've seen you weigh in at 138, 137, 139, Mm -hmm. whatever, between weigh in and fight time, are you allowed to gain unlimited weight before your fight, or is there a limit on how much you can gain?
1: So um, people are going to be amazed by this. So like you said, the lowest I probably came in is probably 136.2. Um, Actually, the last fight I had, this was the first time I had to follow. Uh, it's called IBF rules, where you weigh in one day, which is Friday, but you had to be within ten pounds the next morning. Mm-hmm. So, like you, usually after, I, so let me tell you how I had to weigh in. I weighed in at one thirty nine uh, Friday night. I woke up. I couldn't. I couldn't weigh no more than one fifty. That was the limit. because it was one forty. I couldn't weigh no more than one fifty point one the next morning. Mm-hmm. Next morning, I was one twenty nine point six. By the time that was about eight o'clock, by two o'clock that day, I was one sixty one. What? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, wait. My
0: fully. Now, now, now let's talk about that. A brother like me just would love to lose thirty you you gained twenty two pounds almost. No, no, one thirty nine. Yeah, that's twenty two pounds in a day. In a day. What did you do? How you do that? And and does that affect that's you positively day. or negatively in the ring?
1: Oh, it's po- absolutely positive. positive. Um, we have a we have a system of nutrition that uh, it's a lot of shakes and uh, we don't do like the old school way from back when you had to cut weight and you know eat certain. We have a certain type of nutrition that help uh, get the weight back on. We have a whole system. The system is very is very strict. You can't cheat it. So like cutting weight is the rough the roughest part, but it's uh it, it's uh it's easy, but it's rough because what you buy, you know, what you have to go through. That's when the myths come in, but. The way I rehydrate is like shakes, uh, meat, rice, pasta, actually chips for like salt. You do like salt back in that body, and it's like mm-hmm. it's like a whole system. Yeah, but it's, it gets you it gets you back to that weight you need to be.
0: Yeah, that's what I do every day. I just keep rehydrating every day. Man. <laughs> that's my. I, I'm I'm gonna use that. I'm just rehydrating. You see me some chips? I'm just rehydrating. So, that's right. So so what did you? What is your walk around weight? Just when you
1: just about one sixty
0: three. Wow! So every fight you got to cut fourteen pounds basically just to be in fight condition. And then let's say you got a fight coming up because you try to fight pretty regularly. Um, Mm -hmm. How long does it take you? How many weeks would you need to get to make weight?
1: Believe it or not, so. When the, when the camp start when the word camp, whoever don't follow boxing, the camp is like intensive training camp. So basically, like you just I, boxing is 24, uh, 24 all year round, twenty four seven sport. We always in the gym, but when when the fights come up about a month a month or two out, we kind of pick up our eating habits and uh, pick up the training. So I start camping about six weeks out, which I clean up my eating. I don't eat bad regularly, but I have a, like a pastry problem. But so I'm not mm. gonna tell anybody else that. But mm. um. I, I kind of cut like everything out, so I try to walk around in like between like one fifty eight to one sixty while I'm in camp. And believe it or not, the week up the fight, like this last fight, I came in that Monday at one fifty two. So and I by by Friday I was one thirty nine.
0: <laughs> and you can't. I guess you can't tell us how you did that. That's 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 a, that's a boxing insider truth, or something.
1: It's a it's a I was I would just say. I'll, if anybody else was in need
0: of help, I would help them. But it's a it's a way we cut cut weight. All right, I got you. Yeah. So if, I'll if, tell you
1: please, if it, when you when ready to uh, dehydrate. I guess.
0: Yeah. I'll so so when somebody see me up on stage preaching and I leaned out twenty something pounds in a week, they they'll know I was in your camp with you. Yeah, shout yeah. to the camp life. Yes, my man, my man. By the way, I want to hear more before we wrap up about your new gym because yeah, you got a gym and everything. I want to tell the people about that. Let's talk about the business of boxing. Okay. So, when I see boxing, right, I know people out there making money. Somebody making money. All those ticket sales, concessions, and all of that. So, where does the money go? Like the refs, the refs got to get paid. I'm sure. You got judges, you got trainers, you got cut men, boxers, managers. This, how is it distributed? Who gets what piece of the pie? And is the fighter? It seemed like the fighter with sh- who's most at risk would get the most. But what? How does it all work in the boxing game?
1: Okay, so you have like a a, a fighter like I'm lucky because I got a promoter. I'm signing somebody, so I have a guaranteed purse at minimum each fight, each rounds. Um, some fighters uh, could debate if they like the opponent or like uh you get the baby you know, record to be kinda signed. You don't get that much. If you want to get signed because that's the more you more you get a guarantee and you get a lot. But the promoter gets the most. So like they throw the show, they get probably uh, cut off everything, ticket sales, um, T V production. I mean you, you you name it and then they just have like flat free flat fees that they give everybody else, like all the judges, and anything else. So the promoter, the ones who benefited from the who benefit from the fight the most. The boxes we do uh, at a certain when we get up to the bigger levels that uh, that's when you really start really benefiting. But to promote them always, you know, get the get the best of it.
0: I guess that's why the move Floyd Mayweather made years ago when he bought himself out of that Bob Arum contract uh, ended up paying Absolutely. off because he started he started making the lion's share of the money.
1: Um, he found out what he was making. Yeah, he found out he was getting like three million or something. You no, know, but ten million. Bob was making. 25, you know, and you right. like, well, I can, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, can, I can do both, which is, you see, that he's a smart employee, me he's a
0: genius. Yeah. And I want, I know everybody may not be able to do that because to promote a fight and prepare for a fight are two different animals, you know, handling the business yeah. side, because you got to be able to handle your business in that gym and on that, around in that ring. As opposed, you know. So, anyway, that's good to know. How how often do you try to stay busy in the course of a year? What's what's an ideal fight count for you every year now at this stage? I'm trying to
1: do um, three to four, really four until I you know as I as I'm moving up, my purse starts to grow. So my purse, so like I'm not going to be able to. They not they won't be able to afford me in a couple of probably two years. They're not going to be able to afford me fighting four times. That's going to be paying me. I, I plan on making millions by then, you know, mm-hmm. so hundreds of thousands of millions. So they're not going to be able to afford me to fight four times. But um, ideally right now, I'm not rushing it, but about three to four times, you know, get my keep getting my wins, keep getting my stock up. And then when I start getting a mega million fights, about once or twice a year, twice a year is good for me.
0: Good, good. And I want to know in your weight class who you are, but I'm going to come to that in a moment. So let's, let's talk about some of the, the, the darker side of boxing is the danger of it, right? So as you may know, uh, recently, Zab Judah got in the ring. He had a long layoff, and following his fight, he ended up with a brain bleed and ended up in the hospital. I think he may have even been uh, temporarily out in a coma. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but even before that, light heavyweight Adonis Stevenson was in a coma for an extended period of time following a fight that he was in. So my question is as a fighter, obviously a part of the mentality is that you don't give in, you don't give up, we don't quit. You know, dude say, I'm ready to die in this ring. But do All you right. ever fear that for yourself or others that your courage could actually literally cost you your well being? Oh
1: man. So you got you, that's why I tell I don't play boss, because we literally we literally put our life on the line every time we step in the ring. So mm. I always, you know, tell people no matter you know your respect is sport that cuz no matter how to win or lose we put our life on the line um i'm a big believer in you know, god and christ so i don't really stress that part out um and i don't take i don't feel like my style of fighting uh puts me in that danger uh although one punch away could happen to anybody uh i tend to move my i like i like my face a lot i like the, i like my face so i like to move my head I, I don't get into the brawler style right uh, i like to move my head and uh if i get caught she just caught me, it was a good punch, but mm-hmm. yeah, I know what happened to them. That's you know, it's real tragic. You got a guy like Prince Cologne who's still in the coma, who's paralyzed. You know, you know, it's boxing, it's like you know, it, it can happen, but I tend to, you know, move my head. I don't like to get hit, so I hopefully, I hope for the best at all times.
0: My man, my man, you know, on the local scene, there's a lot of people in this area that can fight, they're great fighters and of championship caliber right here in the DMV. And if you throw in Baltimore, which is, you know, we don't always treat Baltimore as a part of the DMV, but it's still a yeah. part of the state of Maryland. Exactly. That pool of fighters is even broader. So tell me some names, the people that you are optimistic about from our area that you like, man, that guy, that guy, he, he's going to do, he's going to do some great things in our sport. And maybe tell us about a guy that maybe we haven't heard of, but we should be on the lookout for. Like who are the obvious you know, people, and then maybe that guy that maybe nobody's heard of that you say, but look out—he on the move. He going to do
1: something. Ah, uh, uh, besides myself, of course. You have uh the, the current ones like Javante Davis. He's from Baltimore, Maryland. You have like Gary Russell. He's from uh college, Maryland. With mm-hmm. like seven of them, but it's the like Gary Russell Jr. Mm-hmm. and um. Who to look out for after them will be one of the. It's like seven grand Russells, and even one of them. all of them could fight. You have a uh, Michael Fox. He's in my camp. He's a uh, twenty and one. Um, and Lamar Roach. He's fighting for a one thirty title coming up. Uh, Alante. I want to know a lot of top dogs. Uh, that's coming as a dust from this way. We have we breed a lot of great fighters. You know. Coming
0: from this area. Wow! 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 So, 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 so honest, honest. Just some honest behind-the-scenes stuff, right? Right. You ever been in a boxing match or a sparring match where you got hit so hard you were like you had to fake like you wasn't hurting? Oh, absolutely!
1: Boxing, <laughs> is, a, boxing is a game. It's like poker. You got to put on that bluffing face. You got to say, he hits his, you, you got to say no or put your mind, you got to keep that face. you can't tell him that, uh, that he's hard, but absolutely, I didn't get hit so hard one time, I started seeing stars, Wow! I've uh, never been down as far as a fight, not just not go over see, God keeps it that way I've never been down, but I've definitely seen some, some you know, some stars and some you know, so, what do like them
0: like, and you don't mean stars like celebrities in the audience you mean oh, no, 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 no. so I what di- out stars from the, from the, from the wow from the soul system, so what did you do? what did you do when you got hit that hard what did you What is your? what was your, what is your instinct to do, and how did you get through
1: that I hit when I got hit I like. You kind of can see I was uh, a little hurt. I, my eyes, i think my eyes got real big. I tried to keep a poker face on, but I just tried to shake it off. You know, move, move, shake the confidence off. And when he got close enough, I tied him up. Gotcha. I started, which is me not to grab you, just you know, like, get myself together, get my burns back right together, and then I should have good at that. Nice. And I said he cannot hit me with that punch again. Absolutely, no way. <laughs>
0: so at your most recent fight, which was another local fight, big card, you were undercard of the uh, Jared Swift Heard or Swift Jared Heard fight. He lost his title. And that same night you got a knockout. Um, yeah. but you know, one of your friends took a loss. When you see a friend in the ring and you see that he's getting beat to the punch and maybe doing things, because that was hard for me to watch, and I was on watching on TV. And you can't really do anything. What's it like for you to be out on the outside looking in and one of your stable mates or one of your boys is, you know, they're getting it, they, they kind of getting the they kind of getting whooped. I don't know how y'all say it, but, you know, I I was, that, that dude, that dude, Williams, was really, really taking it to him. And like, you know, I always say about Jared Hurd, his defense is his face and his offense. He just bullied people but that dude wasn't going nowhere. So what do you, what is that like for you when you see that? And Hopefully it doesn't happen a lot, but what's that like?
1: It's rough, man. I can say to Jared, like you watching Jared, it's rough. You can say like a brother. I don't, I mean, especially my, if you and my, gym, like my gym, my, one two of my teammates had took a loss before. And one of them, one of them, we didn't know why he was losing, why he wasn't risk punching back and he had told his home. But it's like, it's like you feel like you and me is almost like, and I don't like losing. I feel like I know the work we put in and, we kinda I support everybody here. I kinda want, you know, everybody to succeed and to see that it's him losing like I know what he can do and especially Jerry when he, he I know how hard he worked and how you know them he lost all three of his belts. He wasn't just one, he lost all three. Mm. He worked so hard for mm. so, mm-hmm. you know, they have for a homecoming, you know, I'm pretty sure he, I believe they can get him back, he is he, he will have a rematch, but I it's rough, man. Trust me, my, my mom so like you know, she'd be like going going through it. You know, it's rough, it's crazy.
0: Yeah let's 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 talk about and this let's categorize this section the best at boxing, right So whose style do you admire the most? So if you could pick one fighter from the past and one that's still fighting, I know it's hard, but like when you when you look at the whole package of a fighter, whose style from the past do you admire the most and whose style of fighting do you just just from a fighting style standpoint, one that's still fighting.
1: I'm going to cheat on the password. I'm going to say Muhammad Ray Leonard. Okay, I'm going to put them together. Yeah. Muhammad Ray Leonard. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay? I like that. And, and today, I would say uh, I like Terrence Crawford because uh, he can fight both ways. I not fight both ways. I like Terrence Crawford.
0: You jump out. When you say fight both ways, what he means is you can go.
1: Oh, okay. You can I'm be sorry. orthodox can
0: or southpaw, right?
1: right? Right. I can fight my right foot up, which is the way people street fight. Everybody, you know, want to start off their way. But I can fight my left foot for too, which is
0: orthodox. Now, what's your what's your natural hand? What do you write with?
1: I'm right handed. Okay, I I, I started off fighting my left foot for orthodox.
0: Got you, got you, got you. Now, name three big fights that you would personally pay to see. That you would like if you you pull money out your pocket, even though you're a fighter and you probably can get in it, just about any fight for free. What would you pay money to see? Three big fights today that you would pay money to see.
1: Ah. um, I see. I, I think I want to see Durante Davis versus Tevin Farmer. Mm. I would like to see. That's a good one. That's mm. going back and forth. I would love to see that. Of course, I would love to see Terence Crawford versus Earl Spitz Jr.
0: Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a mega mm. fight. Yes, sir.
1: And I would love to see, well, I wanted to see Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua, but. He just, but I still wanna see I still wanna
0: see Anthony Josh rush Anthony Wallace so he can shut that nose up. I right. wanna see that. Just want just a shut up fight. Ooh. I will ask you just because I didn't plan to ask you this, who would you who would you like tank tank and Tevin? I'm uh I'm gonna go with Tank. Of
1: course I gotta go with the
0: home team. My man. My tank
1: man. Tank I've been I've been him you know since I was a kid, so gotta go with the home team.
0: Now the word is he hits like he's a lot bigger than he is. Is that true?
1: Oh, he definitely, he definitely, we call it the crack.
0: We call it, he got that crack in his hand. We
1: definitely say he got, he got some crack on his punches.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> My man. Absolutely. Now, I know it's a long journey before you move towards fighting for a championship. You know, you say it's a few years out. But right now, who's at the top of the food chain, so to speak, in your weight division? Who do you, all, who do you ultimately have your ice, your sights on? In other words, he's the king of the hill that one day you're gunning for him. And maybe he won't be there in two or three years, but right now, in your weight class, who are you gunning for? Ultimately.
1: It's a guy, it's a guy named Maurice Hooker. who's undefeated at 140. I actually think I can make 135, so I'm gonna go down and say Lomachenko and uh Mikey Garcia. He's like he can flee the fighting fluctuation. I would love to see them all the money fights, that's what I want to see.
0: My man, my man. All right, this next session is called Rapid Fire. I'm going to say something, and you tell me the first thing comes to mind when you hear it. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Floyd Mayweather Jr. Money. Floyd Mayweather Sr. Knowledge. Madison Square Garden.
1: Big fight.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard. Go. Bob Arum. Business. You said business. Yes, Muhammad Ali, the
1: the real goat.
0: <laughs> the current heavyweight division.
1: Beyonce Wilder. Oh, one.
0: Wilder. No, no. You can say whatever comes to your mind. You're a medium. Okay. Not just be one Wilder. word. Roy Jones Jr.
1: Hall of Fame. Al Heyman. Business. Business.
0: Business, double business, huh? Greg Sharpshooter Outlaw.
1: Future world champion. Worldwide leader, inspirer, all that in one. My man. A man of Christ.
0: My man. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. Versus Terrence Crawford. Okay. Mega fight. Who you got?
1: Wow. That's Um, tough, ain't it? (laughs) That's tough. As, as styles, um, I'm not sure because I feel like Earl Smith is a. I I'm not gonna say I feel like he's a he's a dog. We would say he's a, um he's fundamentally sound. I think he's a natural 140, and um he got some crack, as you can see. But Terence Crawford, has, he can fight both ways. He can move a little bit, so I think it's about of styles. Uh, um. I don't know. I I do a
0: lot of shit. Yeah, it's gonna be great if they do it. Hopefully, they won't make us wait like Manny and Floyd did.
1: Well, they absolutely gonna make us wait. Most of that, most
0: absolutely. They're building the, building the interest.
1: Yeah, the money. Mm-hmm.
0: Tank Davis and Tiafimo Lopez. Oh, that's a good one. Oh mm-hmm. goodness, I'm
1: gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Tank again because he's the home team. But I didn't that you actually know boxing because that guy is an animal. He can fight.
0: See a female oh, man, can, can fight. fight. Yeah, he can do Absolutely. it. Yeah, he's a problem. Danny Garcia versus Mikey Garcia. Uh, I like Mikey Garcia. Adrian Broner.
1: Band Camp.
0: You say what?
1: <laughs> band camp. That's what he calls his team, Bandcamp.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I don't know what that means. What that? That's a, a, a some kind of slogan?
1: I guess that's, that's he called himself band. It's like a money team, but he called his team band camp, oh, like okay. money. I guess it's like a way of saying
0: money team, like bands. They call bands. You know, oh, like I got you. I got it. you. He needs he needs to let his hands go. That's what I say. Absolutely. He
1: ain't let his absolutely. hands.
0: He ain't let his hands go since since uh, Madonna crushed him. Manny Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman.
1: I like Keith Thurman by knockout.
0: Wow. Here's one. Floyd Mayweather Jr. in his prime versus Sugar Ray Leonard in his prime.
1: Wow. Um, I like Sugar Ray. I just think it's in the – I don't know. Floyd, I don't know. That's rough. I like Sugar Ray. They came in a different era of dogs. I mean, I got to give respect to Sugar Ray. And I bought out of Sugar Ray too, so I'm definitely going to say Sugar Ray.
0: I got to go with Sugar Ray on that too. Sugar Ray was a killer.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Last thing, what's your ultimate goal in the sport of boxing and beyond?
1: My ultimate goal is—I uh, say it all the time—I'm gonna I'm make millions. I'm gonna use my my wealth and my resources to help others uh, worldwide, uh, not just here. Um, I'm even now—I do it already. I'm blessed in so many ways that uh, I want to give back to because it don't belong to me. I'm gonna give back to everybody and um, just change. I want to change the world. I want to help everybody that's going through. Uh, third world, second and third world problems, and not first world problems. Even people that's here, though. But I wanna, I don't wanna just focus on here. I wanna help all lo- people all over. I mean, that's why I'm so blessed. My God knows my heart and what I, what I, what I stand for and what I do on a daily basis. by like yesterday, like I did something. It's like this is a natural thing, you know. This is in my heart to do it. That I always got to. I feel obligated. Mm-hmm. I was a kid, and I never, I was still for, I didn't stand for bullying. Like I always use my what my abilities or my background or my help to make sure to feel like the very good. So that's what I'm going to
0: do. I love it. I love it. Tell us how people can get in touch with you, keep up with you on social media, and tell us about the new gym as well that you opened.
1: Oh, man. So you guys are going to hear it first. Nobody really knows about it yet. Uh, first, my social media is Sharpshooter Outlaw. That's on every platform, Sharpshooter Outlaw all the same. Uh, yes, Outlaw is my real last name. My, people ask me all the time. Shop Shooter Outlaw. Um, if not, you can type in Greg Outlaw as like the name of the pop-up. Um, Open up a new gym. It's going to be called uh, Shop Shooter uh, Boxing in Calvin um, right Heights, Maryland. Uh It's going to be, we, we call them the MGM of Amateur Boxing. We want to focus on uh, getting kids because growing up an amateur you don't really get the best experience like pro dudes. So we want to treat them like like they're something because they are, you know, young kings and queens. So I'm sure they all, you know, get the best experience. But it's going to be for everybody, for the community, all ages. For have all types of equipment in it. It's a real big space, and um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's opening up real. We're going to make announcements real soon. And you keep up with the with the opening date.
0: Man, I love it, man. I'm so proud of you, man. So proud of you, man. Of you you have my it's support. Honor. I felt honored. I walked down the aisle in a fight. I never did that before.
1: <laughs> so, uh, wait till it gets to the big stage. I don't plan on stopping.
0: My man, my man. And, and I love your team, man. All the people in your corner, good, positive people, your trainer, your, your, you know, you have a lot of people who help you be, be the best version of yourself, whether it's a chiropractor or personal trainers or strength trainers, conditioning people, uh-huh. your team is, is tight. You got a championship team. And so, you know, it's, you know, we're expecting you to be a champion. And I really, feel like it's
1: inevitable, you know, they they always say, As long as you do your part, I gotta I mean I'm blessed. A lot of people don't have it like me, they'll be able to worry about like the last fight I probably sold maybe ten tickets. I mean they they didn't want me to meet nobody. They wanted me to just focus on the camp. I got like my, my manager do her job, my mom does her job, I got a chiropractor that sparks me to take recovery. So they say as long as, that's why I do my all in the gym, I do my part and then
0: that's it. I got an you know, amazing team, like you said. You know. My man, my man. Hey, y'all. That's been Greg Outlaw, sharpshooter, professional boxer, undefeated, yes. Maryland's own, from Glen Arden, Glen from Glen around Glen. here. He is going to be a force to be reckoned with in his weight class. He's given us some great insight into the business of boxing, but his own story, I love the way he has overcome adversity in life and turn tragedy into something positive and, and mm-hmm. how he's remembering those who were no longer here. And um, we can do the same. Like, you know, we can turn our our wounds and our pain into something that we can use positively to motivate us to keep going and to not let people go in vain. And uh, his work ethic is just he's dedicated to his craft. What is that you say, Greg? You say, I, I don't play box.
1: I don't play box. I don't got to not play box. That's my slogan all
0: the time. I yeah. not play box. This is not a hobby. This is a profession. He it's in this. my lifestyle he, straight up. He in it to win it and he, he he's disciplined in it. And I'm excited, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been great having you. And uh um, and thank y'all for joining us today. Please spread this to other boxing fans, other local people people in the area and if you're in the DMV area especially let them know about this young man follow him on social media at Greg Shopshooter Outlaw see what he's doing he's doing some great things some cool stuff get to see some of his workouts and keep up with his fights check him out we got him before he got big that's, that's right what, absolutely we got him before he got absolutely. big so we we're gonna keep Day this we're gonna keep this in the archives <laughs> alright yeah. My man. Hey, y'all. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll catch you right back here next time on the Keep Battle Podcast.